the Links and Locks podcast. podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. I'm Roberto Arguello. I'm excited to be joined by our full squad this week, along with Nick Bretwish and Spencer Aguiar. You can find Nick on Twitter at StixPicks, and you can find Spencer on Twitter at Sports. I'm on Twitter at RobertoA213, and we're excited to preview the Rocket Mortgage Classic from Detroit, Michigan this week. The tournament returns to Detroit Golf Club. I believe this is the sixth playing of this tournament ever started uh, as a replacement for the Quicken Loans national event. And last year, we know Tony Finau won it right after the 3M Open. However, instead of it being in late July, it's going to be in late June this year. So a little different spot on schedule, but it's going to pay the same if we hit the outrights than if it was in July. I'm excited to get going. Guys, it's not a Travelers Championship week with a designated event. It's not a major championship, but it doesn't matter because... The Hammer Kid is back and alive and well here in Detroit. So without further ado, let's get into what the Hammer Kid play of the week is. Nick, what's your best bet this week? All right. It cashed last year for me at this exact same tournament. I did not know the price was so short last year. Somehow I took it. I know he's in a little bit better form. But Callum Taron, top 40, plus 270 is in the market. Go get him, Callum. Spencer, how about you? What's your best bet this week? I'm pretty sure that I've reached the point right now that I get Thomas Dietrich's entire purse if he wins the event this week. <laughs> but I will give my best bet as Thomas Dietrich, top 40, plus 130. That is over on bet 365. All right. And I'm going to go Adam Hadwin, 54th or better, also on bet 365 in the placement markets at minus 120. I think the juice is worth the squeeze. But first, let's get into why. The Hammer Kid is out this week, Nick. Ball striking for Callum Taron right now. He is in a really, really good spot. Uh, two top 40 finishes the last two events, and the course history is, is solid enough for me to go back, and I feel like the field's a lot weaker this year. So, Callum Taron, I'm just riding the ball striking right now. Scrambling's in a good spot, too. We're always going to worry about the putter, but he did succeed here last year, and again, just such a big price. Again, I bought it last year at plus 175 at the same event arguably the same form leading into the event for Callum Taron mm-hmm. and he's a bomber off the tee. He can mash driver. I think this is a really good spot for him. I like it a lot. I'm tailing you on that one. How about you, Spencer? I, I think Dietrich's recent form has left a little to be desired after a quick start to his 2023 campaign. But really this comes down to the profile reminds me so much of what we saw from Cameron Davis when he won this event in 2021 Dietrich can score with his proximity from zero to 150 yards when adding it to his putting nature. He's 13th in this field when mixing both aspects into one. And then the combination of distance and various other intangibles that he brings to the table allowed him to grade 12th overall for me in weighted strokes gain total. You know, I think his inability this season to render higher end finishes might be something that holds him back from reaching where I believe is possible and kind of some of those numbers that I'm talking about to where I start owning actual things here. But uh, I would say that the best path to using him comes down to a top 40 wager because you remove some of the upside needed and still get in that built-in floor. 
I thought this number should have been closer to minus 120. I viewed him right in that range with Steven Yeager, Brian Harmon, any of those other players that got priced around that total. And, you know, depending on where you can find the number in the market here as an outright, like it kind of goes back to that part. Like all those golfers are, you know, fringe 50 to one sort of names. Dietrich opened at 120 to one. He got bet down into the, you know, 90s. I think on bet 365 is actually the best price still out there in the market right now. But he still, in my opinion, hasn't actually reached the number that is fair for him. Like 50 to one would be my fair price. So it's just going to be a very bullish attempt for me playing him in placements. You're going to hear a lot of him there in outrights, in matchups. I'm pretty much all in on the Thomas Dietrich train. And uh, I hope it doesn't come unhinged at some point. I think Dietrich is an interesting player to back this week. And you mentioned a lot of the metrics. He really rose up, up your board this week. And that's not even including the Corrales Punta Cana championship and the Butterfield Bermuda championship data, because there was no strokes gain data from those tournaments. And he finished T eight at the Punta Cana. Sure. It was an opposite field event, but still a solid result. And then the Bermuda championship, an actual PJ tour event without an opposite field. He finished solo second there. So data that we don't have from a couple of his spike finishes, in addition to what you already like, I think that one's a strong play. And I got some Dietrich plays coming up later in the podcast as well. I also like that you mentioned we don't have a ton of course history on this course just because it hasn't been a it hasn't been in the rotation on the PGA Tour for forever. But the guys who have won matching their profiles to players who haven't necessarily won yet this year and have a lot more value than a lot of the guys where they should be priced potentially. Uh, I like that we've had some wins uh, comparing players to past winners. I know Taylor Moore to Adam Hadwin, and that leads me to my pick this week, Adam Hadwin, 54th or better. And I really like Hadwin because his approach play has been really solid. Gained at least two strokes on approach in three straight tournaments. And we know he's a really strong putter, but he hasn't matched up that strong approach approach play, excuse me, to strong putting. Uh, really has been cold a little bit the last uh, month or so, but he's going back to a course in Detroit Golf Club where he has gained at least two and a half strokes putting in all three of his appearances here. He also has a top five finish, a T4 in 2020. So, you know, he's got the form on approach, which is most important to me because I think he can find that putting form back on a familiar place where he's got some good history. And also, I love the profile for him in scoring yardages. Sure, he's not the longest guy off the tee, and I am placing a big premium on driving distance, as I'm assuming both of you guys are as well this week. But even if he's not as long, if even if he's 130 yards and some other guys are 100 yards out, He's still able to score as well as just about anybody else in this field outside of the top uh, couple players because he ranks inside the top 50 from 100 to 125 yards. He ranks inside the top 60 from 50 to 125 yards in approach proximity. Uh, just really solid from that 50 to 125 yard category throughout. And give me him on the green with the chance. Just give him a lot of opportunities this week. And I think, and I think that putter is going to give him a really high floor. I like him at 54th or better, but if you want to play him for a little bit more upside, I think it's justifiable as well. Guys, now that we've gotten our best bets out of the way, let's hop into our little course preview for this week at Detroit Golf Club. Maybe a course that some people haven't paid as close attention to, but I'll send it your way, Spencer. What are your initial thoughts on this golf course? There hasn't been much change with the venue since Donald Ross designed it in 1914. We're going to get this tree line set up that will create blockage. If you go wayward, there's four inch thick rough and methodically placed bunkers that should produce a more difficult path to success than it does. 
Still, the problem when it comes down to it is none of that seems to register on the yearly scorecard output. Uh, we've seen this wide open nature of the land steadily produce winning scores in the 20 since the event's inception four years ago. Uh, part of the problem comes down to the course no longer being conducive to the new school approach of golf, in my opinion. Players hit the ball too far nowadays and can take many of the hazards out of play off the tee with distance. We see that with players averaging a 12-yard increase off the tee and a 4% boost in driving accuracy. That gets added to a massive scoring dispersion with the flat stick that generates an additional 4.6% growth in importance for making putts, which ends up moving the total to over 40% of the impact taking place with the putter in hand. I just think all of those things end up giving you this really weird profile of a course here. Like 75% of my weighted strokes gain either comes with an iron in hand or with a putter. Um, you talked about it a second ago, Roberto, when we're talking about the short iron proximity. And uh, that's something that we see with 11.3% more shots coming from zero to 150 yards than a standard stop on tour. I kind of tried to build this model in the sense where find me these players that can find success with their wedges. Who's going to create the opportunities? Are you a good putter on this specific corollary setup, whether it be the way that the course is set up with it being a birdie fest or the green textures that we get this week? And I do think distance matters. It's not necessarily the only prerequisite to find success. I wouldn't say that a short hitter is immediately taken off the table here. Um, but distance is always a good thing. And I think distance is always something that you want to look for. So it's kind of one of those like three-step equations for me that if you have distance, add a positive to it. And then if you have the wedge play with the putting, those are the players I'm looking for. And then just to double down on the Hadwin thought with what you mentioned with him, inside mm -hmm. the top 15 of my model, when combining that short iron proximity with the ability to make putts, that's the answer that pretty much every single name that I have on my card this week fit to the T at some point when running the data. So uh, that's the most crucial thing for me. That's how I'm trying to find a golfer. And uh, there's a handful of players that fit that narrative. Yeah, I think you mentioned, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that three-step equation with the distance off the tee, the short iron proximity, and the putting. And I'd say you got to be at least elite in two out of the three if you're not above average in all three this week. But Nick, what are your thoughts on um, our course preview so far? Anything you'd like to add? Yeah, no, uh, I'd just like to double down on kind of what you said about to support Hadwin. Those short irons for the guys that are mid to long off the tee are going to be very important. The Donald Ross runoffs are going to happen. So I do think scrambling is also something that uh, people really aren't talking about a whole lot. So I do want guys that could scramble. Um, but other than that, you know, you do want elite players off the tee in those short iron proximities. I'll also add that Tony Finau, winner here last year, who he won by five strokes um, at 26 under, he mentioned that it's a wet golf course right now. And he said today that he thinks 30 under could win this week. Of course, the PGA Tour scoring record in that 35-ish under par, I believe it was 34 under par last year at Kapalua, uh, that Cameron Smith set. But watch out. It could be a really, really low tournament this week out there in Detroit. So without any further ado, let's get into our outright cards, and I'll send it back your way, Nick. Who you got winning this week in Detroit? Thomas Dietrich. Um, we're going to talk about that a lot, I think, in the next couple minutes. But outside of him, I did go down the board a lot for Callum Tarrant at 175 to one. Sepp Straka on bet 365 at 60 to one. Max Homa at 18 to one. Sunjay M 22 to one, and Chris Kirk at 60 to one. 
don't really love the Kirk situation. Obviously, his form's in a terrible spot, but he kills Donald Ross courses. I think it's just an inflated number for how talented of a golfer Chris Kirk is. He is a guy that could win events, and just 60-1 to 1 in this field just seems like a number grab for me. My numbers had him at 45-1 to 1 currently. Um, but other than that, we're riding Thomas Dietrich, baby. All right. How about you, Spencer? We've talked a lot, Roberto, you and I specifically over these last couple of weeks about trying to realize your expected equity by increasing some of your totals. Uh, mm-hmm. Just so you're marginally more aggressive in spots where you have a greater edge, obviously the bigger the edge, the more aggressive you want to be. This was a card for me where I highly considered a name like Max Homa. I was going to take a very similar route to what Nick did there. No problem with the Homa play. I, I think he's certainly in play as a golfer that is probably a little bit under the radar that's playing better the perception is for a golfer that's missed back-to-back cuts, but I started my card 121 with Thomas Dietrich this week. I do want to preface that's a number that moved rapidly on Monday and out of the triple digit zone at almost every single book that wasn't bet 365 before, if I'm being honest, even I could get the exposure that I wanted at the 100 to 20 to one price. Um, it's one of those things where I dropped his name in the Rotoballer Discord chat that I have. I said he should have been accurately priced at 50 to one. And like the next four or five hours of this thing just became madness with him moving every single two seconds. He got pulled off the board. He's all of a sudden back on the board. The number tanked to the ground. I'll give bet three, six, five credit. They were the only book out there that I saw keep it at a hundred to one inside their enhanced market as everybody else was down in like the 60 to one range as they were running away from this. Um, I still believe bet three, six, five is the best number that you can find out there. Still at a hundred to one there. Perfect. I mean, that's a great price compared to the rest of the market. You're not going to find anything really close to that. Like, I think the best I've seen, uh, don't quote me on this, is 80 to 1. And even still, like, a lot of those other books out there, you're looking at, like, 60 to 1. So, Bet365 is great there in the enhanced market. And it just shows with how I built my card this week. Like, I was talking during the last events or the last couple events, I bet to win seven units now on all these plays. I grabbed 0.10 units to win 12 at 120 to 1. I added another 0.10 units to win uh, at 100 to 1. So uh, that ended up being 22 units for me. He's a top 10 win equity option for me in almost every iteration of how I ran my model. And kind of as I talked about at the start, my numbers saw this eerily similar profile that mimicked the version of Cameron Davis two years ago when I looked into his ability to create opportunities from within 150 yards, drive for distance and putt on the surface. I'd say if we're directly comparing... He's probably better than Davis would have been with his putter. Worse with the iron play during that time period. Uh, The quality off the T data also shifts in the direction of Davis, but still it's that bomb and gouge mentality and then ability to score with wedges. That's such a unique ask on the PGA Tour since you infrequently get such a wide open nature that renders this short iron proximity mark that is going to be asked this many times while also going with distance. Like to me, you guys, he's the one B version of what Cameron Davis even brings to the table this week. But there's also a significant difference when one golfer is 35 to one, the other's a hundred to one. As I said, I'm going to treat this as if Dietrich should be 50 to one. I'm unloading to an over 20 units there. Uh, obviously if that comes in, that's going to be what I need to just propel the entire season. And for really a low risk, like, yeah, it can go South. Like, obviously I'm going to talk about him really aggressively on this show and I'm not telling people to break the bank here. It's a 0.20 unit exposure week for me in the outright market on Thomas Dietrich to win over 20 units. Uh, you can still get 0.20 to win 20 there if you want to play it that aggressively. So you don't necessarily have to put down a, a lot to win a bunch there. 
I took Sung JM at 22 to one with Nick. Uh, maybe you guys can classify it at this point as a sickness I have. I just can't seem to get away from Sungjae with the upside that I have him, him at these contests. Uh, massive ceiling at a birdie fest. The course history, at least of the statistical data of what it should produce here, it gives me an expected scoring at Detroit Golf Club that makes him the number two player for me there, plus the number one player for weighted scoring. And then I wrapped up my card with Ben Griffin at 151. I've seen that move a little bit. This is kind of just one of those boomer bust plays for me where I'm going to bet up on the upside for a golfer that really has not been able to make a cut since the Wells Fargo championship. Um, you know, you can make an argument that this works better as a top 10, a top 20. I think there's certainly ways that you can consider that there, but I would just consider Griffin one of those names where if he hits, he hits in a really big way. I think we're going to know early on Thursday, which way this is going, but like at 150 to one, like you want to shoot for the upside. It doesn't, it doesn't help any when you take a goal. Like if I'm directly comparing like two names here, I think Aaron Baddeley is much safer of an option. I think he's much more likely to make the cut. I also think Ben Griffin has better upside to win this event. So this is not a head to head that we're talking about. Like this is an outright where you need to hit a victory. I'm going to bet on the upside here with Griffin. I would just tell everybody, be very aware that this could go south fast. Well, you guys got me roped in. I am also hopping in on the Thomas Dietrich bandwagon. I'm only locking let's in go. 100 to 1. So let's make it a clean, a clean sweep there. I am also betting Kevin Yu 120 to 1. Uh, also playing him for first-round leader at 90 to 1 at Bet365. He's a guy that people might have forgotten about. We talked about him on the show early on in the season, but he got hurt. And before last week's Travelers Championship, he actually didn't play since the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. But last week, finished T49, very average outside of off the tee where he gained over four strokes throughout the tournament. But for a guy who is an absolute bomber, uh, put together one of the best college careers in Arizona State history. And we know they've got a few guys who've been pretty darn good there. Uh, shout out to John Rom and Phil Mickelson. But looking over his last four tournaments, once again, none outside of last week since February, but he gained over two strokes on approach at the American Express and the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. That's over two strokes per round. Um, it's not a full tournament, unfortunately, because we only had strokes gained data from one course over those uh, four rounds. So two rounds over each of those four rounds for those tournaments. So four total rounds uh, where he gained over eight strokes on approach combined. But he's a guy who has a really high ceiling really big uh, college pedigree, really strong approach play, and a guy who can bomb it off the tee. We don't have a large sample size on him on the PGA Tour with them, with this being his first year on the PGA Tour. But he did have a T3 once again at the Butterfield Bermuda Championship, like I said, with Thomas Dietrich. No strokes gained data to go off of uh, from that one. That's, that's his highest finish so far on the PGA Tour. We mentioned Pebble Beach where he finished T7, another very different course from this one. But I love his distance off the tee. I love his approach play and the putter, not great, but still a very small sample size from him so far. And I like that he showed off some strong form last week. Didn't really gain on approach, was pretty average there. But if we can get a spike week this week in a field where the top of the field isn't elite elite, I think they're really strong. But after those first six or seven guys, it really drops off for me. I normally like to bet in the mid-range, 50 to 100 to 1. Didn't love that range this week. I think that you can maybe sprinkle some long shots, and that's uh, how I'm playing this week. So 
Kevin Yu, 120 to one. Dietrich, 100 to one. I also bet Sam Stevens at 90 to one. Uh, another bomber who's capable of spiking with his irons. Also bet him for a first round leader. Like him a little bit more for first round leader than uh, to win outright, just because I don't really trust the putter. And then that's it for my outright card. I am still on the fence about potentially betting Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Thomas. I think I'm leaning a little bit more toward Hideki. His iron play is phenomenal as off, as always. And the short iron play really strong as well. And yeah. like Nick said, with these Donald Ross courses, you got to watch for those runoff areas and Decky's short game along with JT's as strong as anyone else's on the PGA tour. I'm really intrigued by those guys. The putter is what is, has me hesitant more so on Thomas than Matsuyama in what could what in what could turn into a putting contest. So I'm that's where I'm at with my outright card. I've still got a lot of room with nobody shorter than uh, 90 to one to win this week, but very much on the fence about Hideki Matsuyama. We'll probably back, back him in some market. Fellas, any thoughts on our outright plays or comments you'd like to make? I have one thing that I'll add to the Kevin U play. So he got sidelined because of injury. Uh, this might, until he's come back now, obviously, like this might be a hot take that I'm about to say right now. I think if he didn't get hurt and have to take all these months off leading up to this point, I kind of feel like we would be talking about him as in this event, a 40-ish to one golfer, like give or take here. I don't know if I necessarily believe he's going to win so early back in his recovery here, but mm -hmm. I, I am very bullish on his potential moving forward as a golfer. I think he is a name to keep an eye on. I love his proximity that he brings to the table. I love some of the data that I have from him inside my model. He's one of those golfers that every single week I have to regress the numbers ever so slightly just because he breaks my model when I run it. But uh, I am very aggressively looking at him. And maybe this becomes, for me, like in the fall, like he might be a golfer that in the fall can spring a win here. But uh, I think he's a very intriguing guy to keep an eye on, Roberto. I, I like your general assessment on him. Yeah, just 24 years old, so someone whose golf, whose best golf is still very much ahead of him. Uh, someone whom I'm betting in several different markets, because like you, I don't think he gets it done this week, but at 120 to 1, I'm willing to pay to find out, but I also like him some, in some safer markets as well. Fellas, any other thoughts before we get into our placement market bets? I mean, go D-Tree. I will add that one more time. <laughs> So as a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION, that's A-C-T-I-O-N, to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, fellas, let's get into our placement market bets. Nick, we've already got the Hammer Kid for Callum Terran, plus 270, top 40. What else do you got? We're going to go with, well, we talk about Dietrich. I'll let Spencer do that. I'm going to go with Taylor Pendrith, top 40. Uh, if you can find a number that is right around plus 150 for ties paid in full. Pendrith really, really struck the ball well on Friday at the Travelers. Missed the cut on the number. Obviously, is very... Um, comfortable at this course with a second place finish last year. So I'm going to ride a little bit of a trend with Pendrith with the iron starting to come back to life at a very long number. I have him at plus 120 there. So 30 points of value on Taylor Pendrith. I'm going to go with Callum Taron. We talked about that one at plus 270. And then Lee Hodges, plus 140, top 40, just a ball striking machine right now. And also a, a very good driver of the golf ball. So Dietrich, Lee Hodges, Pendrith, and Callum Taron. 
Awesome. And you mentioned the Calum Terran play. You have it priced at plus 210, 60 points of value, right? Plus, yeah, I have it at 210. The number right now in the market is plus 270. Awesome. Spencer, how about you? Sorry, I'll give a public service announcement on this show or at least some sort of information here. This is a big statement. I don't throw this around lightly. And, uh -oh. you know, I'll tweet it to Thomas Dietrich. We can have this conversation off air. <laughs> Thomas Dietrich wins this event. I will pull the number one fan card that I have from Jason Day. I will become the number one Thomas Dietrich fan. He will overtake Jason Day. So uh, that oh, is web. not something that I offer lightly to somebody. So Dietrich has the opportunity here to really move himself into a territory to where uh, you want to talk about uh, pit money here. I can maybe earn him a lot of money here if he can pull this off. But, you know, look, it's going to be a very heavy Dietrich card, as I talked about. Like, I'm not going to get here and talk about every single play and why I think I've already kind of expressed it enough. I will say that if you are number shopping, the best price that you're going to find on every single one of these would be at bet 365. Uh, I bet I'm top 40. That's the plus 130 number that I talked about at the beginning of the show. I bet I'm top 30, top 20, top 10, and top 5. Just for the sake of transparency here, all of those plays are going to be to win about a unit. Like I have 1.6, 1.7 uh, units in play in total on these placement bets on him. It's not as crazy as it sounds. It's just obviously they start compounding on top of each other. Like if he comes top 10, then all of a sudden, you know, we hit the top 10, we hit the top 20, we hit the top 30, so on and so forth with it. He wins the tournament. That's where this big payout comes into play. But all in on Dietrich. I did take Ben Griffin top 30 at plus 250. Like the upside that he brings, I think you could probably push that even a little bit more so if you're worried about the floor that he has. And then just as a play that I thought was a good number grab, there was a lot of similarities that I had with Griffin when I talk about this, you know, inside the top 25 of my model for weighted strokes gain total. And then that short iron proximity plus the ability to make putts. Uh, Chesson Hadley, top 40 plus 320. Um that's going to be my placement card, though. Like, there's a lot of Dietrich thing. I, I obviously hope that it works in that capacity, but I also have a little bit with Griffin and Hadley there just to weigh it a little bit more so. And then we have some head-to-heads we'll talk about. I'm sure there will be some in-tournament plays, but uh, interesting card this week, I think, to say the least. It would also be very interesting if former mortgage broker Ben Griffin wins the Rocket Mortgage uh, classic this week. Uh, shout out to the loan shark. It would be hilarious if he won this week uh, <laughs> of any week to win on the PGA tour. Um, looking into my place in market bets. I've also bet Kevin, you plus six fifty for top 10 with all ties paid in full. I'm in on Thomas Dietrich plus five plus five fifty for top 10. This is my initial bet on Dietrich. I like the upside for him, but once I heard Spencer talking about uh, the upside and read some of his uh, read that you and you Spencer and Nick, both had him as your long shot play in our best bets article, which you can find on the Action Network app and website. Uh, I had to hop in on the outright market as well. I mentioned Adam Hadwin, 54th or better, as my best bet. And then I'm also going to go with uh, Bomber here in Joseph Bramlett to finish 59th or better, also at minus 120 in the placement markets at bet365. And he is a better approach player than he's been before. You know, he's dealt with some injuries over the last few years and He's really long off the tee, and he's got a great short game. I think that plays this week. The putter is an issue, but I don't necessarily need him to take advantage with the putter to a certain degree with him just making the cut, hopefully, and cashing this bet. So far in this tournament, four history, three missed cuts, and his best approach performance here in his three tries at the Rocket Mortgage uh, at the Rocket Mortgage 
is worse in a strokes gained uh, number on approach than every single strokes gained performance this season on the PGA Tour. I think those are kind of outlier performances, at least compared to his current statistical profile. He can do much better on approach. He absolutely bombs the ball, and we know that he can uh, mitigate some of those issues when he doesn't hit the ball on the green. I like his chances of cashing that 59th or better at minus 120. And then Mark Hubbard, I bet him for top 40. Unlike the other guys, he's not a bomber. Uh, this one's at plus 125 where all ties are paid in full. And he's got everything except driving distance that I'm looking for this week. His approach play is absolutely on fire. Um, he just gains strokes on approach every single week. And the putter's hot. I think that's enough for me. Like Hadwin, he's really strong in two of those three key aspects for me this week. So I'm willing to play him this week for top 40. His worst off the tee performance of all of 2023 was last week. So I think this is a little bit of a buy low spot. Been on him, had him for top 40 last week. Didn't work out, but I'm getting a better price this week in an even worse field. And I really like it for him. And he's shown that even though this is a long course that doesn't necessarily scream Mark Hubbard off the tee, he does have a top 12 here or a tie for 12th here in 2020. So for Hubbard, I think the form is just too strong that even though he will be playing at a disadvantage off the tee, I think he can still cash in, make the weekend, and get into that top 40 for us. I also thought about an Alex Smalley play, uh, but that's Spencer's territory. So I'll go to I'll go to you, Spencer. If you had to bet Alex Smalley, what kind of market would you bet him in? Probably as a top 40 would probably be the most conducive way that my model would find to get action, Tim, because like he has one of those trajectories inside my model to where in the safer markets. So that would be head to heads, top forties. That's kind of where he becomes more playable when it starts shooting for more of the upside. He, he goes in the other direction here, but uh, I think a top 40 is, is an interesting way to consider him. I like it. I believe that one's also around plus plus one twenty-five, uh, where ties are paid in full as well. Fellas, any other plays on your card that you'd like to touch on before we get into our rapid fire? So I have a couple that I'll mention on here. I think these numbers have moved a little bit. And, uh, you know, if nothing else, I like making Nick have to answer questions about a certain player. So, <laughs> there you, uh, go. you know, that's like my punishment for Nick not making the show last week. It's like, okay, if you're going to come on this week, we got to talk about Webb Simpson. So if I was to tell you that these are three bets out there and three options to consider, and, and we'll just leave it at this. And you can tell me which of the three, if there is one, uh, obviously I would love to hear if there is one, but uh, Thomas Dietrich minus 120 over SH Kim, Nate Lashley plus 108 over Nick Hardy, Webb Simpson plus 100 over Sam Bennett. If you had to pick one of those three, where are you putting your money this week? Dietrich over Kim. I'm not touching Webb, but I will let Roberto potentially go down that rabbit hole. Join me, Roberto. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, Dietrich over Kim as well, unfortunately. I... Uh... I like Dietrich a lot. So, and SH Kim, if you look at his recent form on uh, approach, it's, it's horrible. So it's more of a fate of Kim. He He's the most, uh, he's the most fate worthy candidate among those. Yeah. The ball striking is just so erratic. He's definitely a miscut potential guy, but <sighs> Kim was someone Sorry. early in the season that I was intrigued by and I haven't been betting him, but since that point, when I started being intrigued by him, he has com the wheels have completely fallen off. So I'll take some, uh, blame for that but like why why do you like web this week more than more than normal spencer 
I was telling Nick this, like a, a lot of the Webb Simpson comments that I make are tongue in cheek comments, like maybe not so much last year. I, I mean, I think like every time I mentioned him last year, like, and it almost became a running gag where he couldn't make a cut. I'm like, no, my model actually likes him this year. It's a, it's a lot more fun that I have with it, but I, I don't know. The, the numbers absolutely love him this week, Roberto. Like this isn't like me joking around here. I worry about the safety that he brings to the table. I do think this is a really nice spot to potentially take on Sam Bennett. Um, the numbers don't necessarily like Bennett. So like when I look at those three plays and like full transparency on this, I have on all those prices that I mentioned, that's where I got the number on it. So I bet all three of those plays. I think they've moved a little bit on each one, but like SH Kim Dietrich, that was just more of me liking Dietrich more than anything there. So like, that's kind of my answer there. Nick Hardy was a fade candidate for me. I was trying to figure out a way to take him on just like Sam Bennett's a fade candidate for me where I'm trying to take him on. But Webb also brought in this really interesting answer, which is what we've talked about with Adam Hadwin. It's what I've talked about with Ben Griffin and some of these players. Webb is eighth in my model when combining proximity from zero to 150 yards plus putting that is also taking in the current form that he's been bringing to the table this year. So I think because, and I know he's not going to necessarily have that distance that you want. I think that's fine. As I keep saying, I don't think distance is the only answer here. Find fairways. Hopefully he can create a little rollout. You know, it'd be nice for him to have less than 150 into these opportunities here. I think he's going to create chances. And there's a possibility to me that this goes miscut, miscut. I am well aware of that. But Bennett is just grading so on the wrong side of it that I'm going to bet on the upside with the better safety, as crazy as that sounds on Webb, over the profile that I have on Sam Bennett here. That kind of worries me a little bit. And I'm not saying, like, I think he's a better golfer than Ben Griffin is. Um, I don't even think that's an argument to be made. Like, he has a better pedigree and a better profile moving forward. But he kind of reminds me a little bit of what Griffin did at the beginning of the year where he fired on all cylinders. And then when it went cold, it went cold fast. I'm kind of trying to jump ahead of where I think Bennett might be moving, or at least what my model thinks might be moving with him. Interesting matchup between one of the older guys out here and one of the youngest guys in Sam Bennett and Webb Simpson. So interesting matchup to keep an eye on there. Fellas, let's hop into our rapid fire segment. One of the guys at the top of the board who we didn't discuss, Colin Morikawa. Uh, he's 15 to one this week. What do you guys think about him? Pass. I'll give my common answer. I give every week. I am out. I know you guys hate Colin Morikawa. So <laughs> as your resident Colin Morikawa stand, I will say his ball striking numbers look great. It's like the sun um, rose in the east, set in the west. It, it's just can he make guarantee. But I just don't no. count on him to cash in on that ball striking into scoring. Although last week chaotic week for him. 74, I believe, the first day at the Travelers. Four over par, and the cut ended up being four under par. So he was eight strokes behind the eventual cut after day one. He shoots seven under in the second round. Fires on all cylinders, and who knows what would have happened if he made the weekend. He's been playing solid re somewhat recently. Um, you know, We had that withdrawal from the Memorial, which he was in contention for that. But T14 at the U.S. Open couple other top 30 finishes at the Charles Schwab and the PGA. I think he's got a high floor, but the ceiling might be unattainable. Uh, I, it, it is high ceiling, but it's just, I don't believe it's going to happen. I think this is the best way to answer this question. And you kind of just touched it on, touched on it yourself right there. 
Um, I would prefer if this was a difficult course and it doesn't mean yes. that he can't find success here. Like if he came in eighth place, sure. That's a reasonable outcome when he has to make putts and the more putts you have to make, that is what worries me for a golfer that doesn't seem to make them enough. Uh, the approach play is going to have to be immaculate. There's a possibility that he puts the ball striking together and he just laps the field there. And if he does that, he can maybe win this event, but I, that's why it's kind of, to me, always why he's more inclined to spike in these majors. And he sometimes mm. wins a major because you don't have to make as many putts. He putts a little bit better on some of those surfaces. I do think that the speedy nature of some of these greens, like I know we talked about this course. It's gotten a lot of rain here over the past like week or whatever it's been. It also was very dry before that. I don't know how that's going to play out if we look, you know, Saturday, Sunday, where do these greens go to? We might get a really soft tournament to begin this. Uh, let's see what happens after that. But uh, I mean, he's just going to be out on me for me at that number. I will say that we have seen him ball out in a birdie fest this year, finished at 25 under only lost to John Rahm in the century tournament of champions. Very different golf course, yeah. course from this one. Uh, but since then the voodoo has been put on him since the back nine of that course. Uh, fellas, a couple guys at 19 to one here, JT 19 to one Hideki Matsuyama, Tom Kim also sneaking in there under 20 to one. If I gave you a 25 to one ticket on any of those three guys, which one would you take? I'll start with you, Nick. Hideki all day. Hideki for me also. Um, I do like Justin Thomas a little bit. I am out on Tom Kim. I think a 25 to one number on Hideki would be like, I would, if I could find that price, I would be in. Me too. Um, let's hop. Let's hop over to last week's winner. Keegan Bradley, 30 to one Cameron Davis, 35 to one. If I gave you a 40 to one ticket on one of those two guys, would you take Cam Davis, a former winner here, or Keegan Bradley to potentially go back to back just like Tony Finau did last year with this tournament? Keegan. I don't like Cam Davis this week. I like the upside that Cam Davis presents. Um, anytime you can kind of get that boomer bust answer that's works in an outright market. I'm gonna give the same answer that Nick gave though. I'm gonna say Keegan. Ludwig Aberg, rookie on the PGA tour from Texas Tech. Austin Ekro, young player on the PGA Tour from Oklahoma State. Both of these schools have their guns up. Which one would you rather have a ticket on this week at 60 to 1? I'll go Aberg. We haven't seen him on a Donald Ross course yet, so I'm interested to see how his short game is when it's really tested, but I'll go Aberg. The ball striking is just surreal. He is such a good hitter of the golf ball. I'm firing on a 60 to 1 on Aberg. I am out on Ekroat. Um at any number that's really in the space right now. So uh, give me Aberg. I know a lot of people like Eckroth this week. What makes you out on him this week, Spencer? I just think it's a combination of where this number has moved. Like we, we've lost a lot of value at the price. It, it's not to say that my model doesn't see some redeeming qualities about him, but he's one of those names and he grades 13th overall. That's a really good number. He also has that negative trajectory though. Like I always talk about the trajectory for upside versus safety. He's a safer player because of what we've seen recently. Some of the upside numbers just leave something to be desired in my model. Like he's 43rd on scoring on easy courses. Uh, he's 30th for weighted scoring. He's 17th for weighted strokes gain total. All those numbers are fine. But I think that when we're talking about actually winning this event, I would just rather make him beat me at this point. I agree with you. I know that if you got a chance to get him at 80 to one, maybe you have some different calculations, but with him sure. at 50 to one now, very different from what he opened at. Let's talk about some guys that I know you guys have bet on in the past to win outright, not necessarily here, 
but both of them are priced at 50 to 1 in Brian Harmon and Steven Yeager. If I give you a 61, a 60 to 1 ticket on either of those guys, which one would you take? Starting with you, Nick. Can I sell both? Oh my God. <laughs> give me Jaeger, the German hammer. That's it. Um, definitely not taking Brian Harmon. <laughs> this is like making me uh decide between two of my children here. Um You're not even a father. No. <laughs> Uh, I will say Jaeger also. I believe Steven Jaeger uh, set the PGA Tour 2022-2023 season record with the most strokes gained putting lost in a round in the final round of the Travelers last week. So regression is looming for him. Um, I that's guess, what right? I keep thinking. I mean, that's yeah. like my mentality. And I the actually is an, an issue. It it's is an a, issue. It's a massive issue. I actually have this decision a little bit differently in a season long fantasy golf league uh, to where my last decision is going to come down to Jaeger or Harmon. And right now I'm rostering Jaeger. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's a very close margin. I do like both of them. Like I, I disagree with Nick's sentiment of not Harmon. Like Harmon's a top 15 sort of play for me this week. I just think both of them are. So it's a tough decision. We'll see if Jaeger can hop in the Luke list victory category uh, where the putting just comes out of nowhere. Uh, let's get a little deeper on the board here. Aaron Rye, 60 to one, JJ spawn, 65 to one. My guy, Taylor Moore, I'm not going to talk about what happened last week with him. He's 70 to one. Bo Hostler is 70 to one. And Gordon Sargent is 80 to one. If I give you an, uh, 85 to one ticket on any of those guys who intrigues you the most, Nick, I'll go Taylor Moore and then JJ spawn. JJ Spawn's ball strike is turning the corner again, but just the, the talent in Taylor Moore, I just believe in it all, you know, at all costs. It's kind of gone away since he's won at the, was it the Valspar he won? But mm -hmm. I trust the talent just so much with him. It's a tough question, Roberto. Like, I'm not necessarily jumping for any of these players. I, I wish we had a better number on Sargent. Uh, he was a name that I was kind of anticipating that he might be on my card, and then the numbers got released, and I, and I couldn't get there at the price. I guess I'll say Bo Hostler, but like they're all very close to me. I, I don't necessarily feel confident with that answer either way. Like they're all between 39th to, I mean, I guess Sargent's a little bit higher in my model. So like 31st to 50th in my model, they're kind of all in that same range. I'll give you guys a couple other uh, longer shot guys here in the 80 to 90 to one range. Brandon Wu, Adam Shank, Justin Suh, the Gim Reaper, Doug Gim, Davis Riley, any of those guys stand out to you this week if I gave you a 101 one ticket, Nick? Davis Riley. And then who, who's the second guy you mentioned? Adam Shank. Oh, Shank would be second. But I like the upside in Davis Riley. Similar to Taylor Moore. The form's just not where we want it to be, but it's getting better for Davis Riley just slowly over time. I'll take the talent all day. I keep looking Maybe. on the odds board and seeing Davis Riley all the way down there, then thinking, hey, I have to bet him here. Look at his recent form, and I'm like, oh. Yep, maybe <laughs> not for as much as I want to, but maybe I'll still sprinkle. Uh, I won't give it out to anybody else. But Spencer, what do you think about these guys we just mentioned? I will give something out to everybody on this show. So uh, I think the best way to play Davis Riley is probably as a first round leader bet. He okay. gets the morning. Um, probably going to be softer conditions. I see him 80 to one. I think he's an intriguing first round leader bet. He is on my card. I would probably still say Justin Sutt of the names mentioned. I do like Riley's ability though, to spike. If he does put the pieces together, I considered him. I didn't ultimately get there because of some of the form that we've seen. And I thought the price 
maybe it was a little bit shrunken from where I would have liked it for that form that he had, but I don't have a problem with Riley this week. Like I am not, I, I think like we've reached a really interesting spot with Riley. I feel like during the fall, I was in on him. A lot of the numbers came in. I quickly got off of him and I've almost been off of him every single week. There are specific venues where he does pop up in my model. And I feel like he's been one of those golfers to where when he is popping for me, he has found success during those events. Like my model has a very good read on him. So the fact that, I mean, he graded for me 28th for upside. That's as high as I could get him 48th for safe or overall for me. Um, I think that that's a profile that you can consider maybe not so much to win the event, but there are ways to play him. Let's dive down the board a little bit farther here. Would you take Davis Thompson, who's 175 to one, or Vincent Norman, who's 201? Say I give you uh, 225 to one on one of those guys. Who would you take, Nick? I'm a sucker for Davis Thompson. I couldn't tell you why, but I do like Norman. I think Norman's a better player. Give me at this venue, give me Davis Thompson. I, I kind of agree with Nick's answer. I'm going to say Vincent Norman just because it's it's really tough. Like if you're telling me somebody's going to win, it does feel like the answer should be Davis Thompson. My model thinks it's Norman and maybe that's where some of the safety comes into play here and we're not answering it based off of that. But I like Davis Thompson at these birdie fest sort of courses. I think it removes some of his liability from the mix here. Uh, he's another name that's kind of in that same similar range of like a Davis Riley to where you're not necessarily going to trust them, but at the right venue, they can put it together. So I'm talking, I am talking myself into Davis Thompson right now. Um, I'll stick to Norman, but that's just because I don't really know what the floor is for Thompson. Like it's bad. Well, we know Davis Thompson was a flag stick away from going into a playoff with John Rahm at his peak form this year at another birdie fest. So he held his own in that done this yeah. week. Yeah. All right. Last one, fellas, then I'll get you out of here. Playing this one from a matchup perspective, not an outright perspective, Sam Ryder versus Webb Simpson. Nick, I'll start with you. Yeah. Just say it, Nick, just give it to me. I'll do Webb. I will do Webb. I don't like Sam Ryder. Gosh, Got him. You guys are, I, I'm leaving the show. Wrap it up boys. Webb Simpson. <laughs> I'll do it. We know where I'm going. I'm going to approach was positive for the first time in 10 years for web last weekend. So you got to ride that. <laughs> you are speaking my language right now. All right. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us here at links and locks presented by bet three, six, five for our rocket mortgage classic preview. As a reminder, the links and locks podcast is proudly presented by bet three, six, five, the world's favorite sportsbook brand sign up with promo code action to get bet three, six, five's exclusive signup offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 free. For more great golf content from our Action Network and Golf Bet team, check out our Best Bets episode from earlier this week, featuring Jason Sobel and Ben Everill, as they quickly run down their top plays for the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Be sure to check out ActionNetwork.com and the Action app for all our great golf betting and DFS content. Our Best Bets are live. You can find first-round leader bets, everything you want, all on the Action Network app. You can find us on Twitter. Nick is at Sticks Picks. Spencer is at Tioff Sports. And I am at Roberto A213. Fellas, starting with you, Nick, where else can we find your content this week? Yeah, best bets on Action Network, uh, at Better Golf Pod for the Better Golf Podcast, more DFS angle. And then on the Gimme This Week with Jason Sobel on Action Network, really front, fun show this week. So uh, I am excited for the Rocket Mortgage. think there's plenty of ways to get different in the betting market and the DFS world. So enjoy it and good luck to everybody.
Awesome. How about you, Spencer? Yeah, I will double down on what Nick just said. I think this is a unique board where there's a lot of groupthink mentality going on, whether it's through DFS or with betting, um, there's ways to capitalize on that. So you can find me, as you said, Roberto, on Twitter at Tiaw Sports. If you like the numbers that you that you've heard me talk about or you want to see more of those, you can get my model over there. And then I will have an article myself over on Action Network on Wednesday. Uh, it's been really difficult to find some of these in-tournament matchups recently. I haven't found a ton. Um, we'll see where it goes with it. I don't want to make the entire article why to bet Thomas Dietrich and why this is uh, the Thomas Dietrich week. <laughs> but uh, we'll see where that article ends up going. Hopefully there's a little bit of value to talk about in the first round. Head-to-head -head matchups that are not Thomas Dietrich related. Before we get out of here, want to give a couple thank yous to uh, some of our producers. Of course, our executive producer, Matt Mitchell. He uh, has been very vocal in how he supported Spencer's picks at the U.S. Open. And if you might remember, he had uh, the winner, Wyndham Clark, and, he, and our producer, Matt Mitchell, tailed Spencer. And during the tournament, when Wyndham Clark was doing pretty well, he said, hey, I bet some money on this. If it hits, I'm buying dinner for the whole block that he lives on over there in Buffalo. Wyndham Clark won, and this weekend, Matt Mitchell paid up and bought the whole block dinner. So shout out to him. I uh, want to give a big shout out to Noah Niederhofer, our producer who wakes up in the middle of the night all the way across the world to help get this podcast out to you guys as soon as possible while the numbers are still uh, right where we want them. So big shout out to Noah for doing the heavy lifting for us, getting us across the finish line. Uh, and with that, that'll do it for us here at the Rocket Mortgage Classic Preview. Here's to hoping you guys hit the green this week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.